Warning, please be aware that content in this podcast does discuss the murder of a child and also child sexual abuse, and in part, it's quite distressing. Welcome back to episode four, the final episode. I'm Mark Williams-Thomas, and in this series, I have reinvestigated the disappearance of 15-year-old Lee Boxall, revealing for the first time exclusive new evidence that has never been heard before in the public domain. Over these three previous episodes, I've carefully analysed the police investigations, pulled together what strands of evidence were known by them, and undertaken my own thorough reinvestigation, speaking to witnesses, tracking down some of the key individuals, and crucially, speaking directly to three of the four key suspects. And now, in this final episode, I'm going to pull together all the evidence to reveal who I believe was responsible for Lee's murder and why. I have tracked down and interviewed Rob Smith and Trudy Crawley. Both were treated as suspects and arrested by police in connection with Lee's murder. You have heard both of their accounts. Smith claims that he met and spoke to Lee on a number of occasions when he was with Bill Lambert and Crawley claims that she was told by Lambert that Lee is alive and that he had spoken to him. Although both Smith and Crawley knew at the time Lee was missing, neither contacted the police or told anyone what they saw or were told. So where is Lambert? I now need to focus on finding him. I've got a number of addresses for him, but I suspect they are all old ones. Since Lambert's release from prison, I've been unable to find an address for him. I know he still lives around the area and am told he's in housing accommodation flat. I know he is still alive because someone I'm in contact with has seen him twice recently at a supermarket. I also know he is still very much in contact with his ex-wife, so I'm going to start at her address. I've already written to him at this address with no response. Finding and speaking to Lambert is key, but I don't want to talk to him at home because he can just hide inside and not open the door, so I want to get him out in public. That is why, with three colleagues, we've carried out surveillance on the address for the last two days, but we have seen very little movement only his ex-wife coming and going. We hope to see Bill Lambert leave, and then when he's in a public location, I would speak to him and put to him the new evidence I have. Totally fair and acceptable, given the very serious nature of the case I'm investigating, and that I've already tried to contact him with no response. So I've decided to approach his house and see if perhaps he does live here, but he does not go out much. And if not, then I hope I can convince his ex-wife to tell me where he is, or at least tell him I need to speak to him. If he is in, I'm not expecting a very warm welcome. Behind me is the home address of our main suspect. Months and months of work, research has brought us to this point. I'm going to go and bang on the door. He is meant to be living there with his wife. If he's there, I will be confronting him.
Hello? Are you alright? Yeah. Can I have a chat? Not really. I'm busy in a minute. I'm after speaking to Bill. Can you come back later? William, is he here? Is that you? Can you come back later? I, I need to speak now. No. Are you William? No. Where is he? Dead. He's dead? I know that Bill Lambert is not dead, but I can't see the person I'm talking to because they're talking to me through an open front window which is covered by net curtains. So this could be Bill Lambert. Mr. Lambert, I'm just gonna tell you who I am. So I know you can hear me, Mr. Lambert. I'm doing an I'm investigation. You to fuck hey, okay, off. listen, listen. Fuck off. Talk to me, talk to me. So that's an angry man with a baseball bat. Not a happy man. So the person who came to the door was one of Bill Lambert's sons, not someone I'd spoken to before. He was very angry and clearly not prepared to help in any way for me to speak to his father. Whilst I was carrying out surveillance on the address, I managed to obtain a telephone number for Lambert's ex-wife, which I've just called. I was not able to record the call. She states that she's in contact with her ex-husband who lives elsewhere, but she would not tell me where or pass anything on to him. So I need to keep asking and looking to see if I can find an address for Lambert. I know I'm not far away from getting it. We've already heard about Lambert's relationship with one local police officer. So it seems he makes it his business to get to know local officers. In 1989, Lambert got to know another beat officer. I need to make it very clear that unlike the other officer, Jock Kirk, there is no suspicion or concern in relation to this officer. This officer is relevant because Lambert befriended him, seeing him more as a friend than a police officer, and the officer would visit Lambert at the shed. In April 1989, on a visit to the shed, the officer says he saw the missing poster of Lee on display and spoke to Lambert about it. Lambert said he knew Lee. He was a blonde lad who had problems at home and wanted to leave that he had a paper round to save up enough money to leave home, which he kept in a savings account. He further added that Lee went to the shed a few times and that he turned up with other kids, then just disappeared. From everything that I've been able to find out, it appears at the time this conversation was had with the officer, he did not tell anyone. This only became known many years later, around 2012, when the police did a review. The poster is significant because from the evidence I have, Lambert used it to threaten young people who went to the shed, saying what had happened to Lee Boxall would happen to them if they ever spoke about him. One additional thought that has been suggested to me and is very possible is did Lambert keep the missing poster as some kind of trophy? I've talked through with Peter and Christine the need to finally put out in the public domain everything that is known, both from the police investigation and my own, and they are fully in support and have urged for this to be done. So that is why over this series I've shared with you everything that is now known. So let's start by clearly setting out what evidence exists against Bill Lambert. Tucked away in the police files are what I believe two damning pieces of evidence against him. Firstly, a few days after Lee disappeared, Lambert said Lee was dead and that he would never be found and that he was buried on grassland. Lambert pointed to his head to the witness and said, 
it was all in here. And the same witness went to the shed around the same time and saw a single mattress on its end against a wall. The mattress was stained over 70% of it with what the witness believed was blood. She also stated that there was an awful smell and she sensed someone was there in the shed, but that she did not see anyone. This has only become known now years later when the police finally did a proper investigation in 2012. So, since Lee's disappearance, there are only two people who claim to have seen him, Bill Lambert and Robert Smith. Lambert, in April 1989, told local police officer that he knew Lee because he came to the shed a few times. He was a blonde lad who had problems at home and wanted to leave. That he had a paper round to save up enough money to leave home, which he kept in a savings account. Then, in March 1999, Lambert told Mike Platt from the Missing Persons Charity the following that he knew Lee and that he used to come to the shed with friends. He had a girlfriend that his mother was unhappy about and that he left home, changed his name to Les Hall and was now working at Social Security in Morden. He also said he saw Lee one year after he disappeared when they waved at each other. Lambert gave a description of what Lee looked like and what he was wearing. Rob Smith was present in the shed when Lambert told Mike Platt. Lambert tried to get Smith to verify his account about Lee but Smith said he could not do so. Mike Platt returned a few weeks later in June 1999 and spoke to Smith on his own in the church grounds and this time he said he knew Lee and he had seen him in 1993 near Rains Park train station. They spoke to each other and Lee asked him about Bill and others. He says Lee told him he was now calling himself Les. Just take a minute to take that in before I continue with more conflicting accounts. Fast forward six years to March 2005 and Lambert is informally interviewed by police where he states the following. He did not really know Lee. He had only come to the shed on one occasion. He stated that he'd heard Lee had some difficulties at home with his mother and that he had changed his name to Les Hall and that he had seen him in 1989 in Sutton High Street about one year after he'd gone missing. Lambert says he was with Smith when he saw him. On the same day as Lambert is spoken to, Smith is also spoken to at his place of work and he states the following. Lee was a regular visitor of the church grounds and his uncle, Bill Lambert, knew Lee well. He states that Lee was now calling himself Les and that three years after Lee went missing, so 1991, Lee turned up at the shed and spoke to him, saying, don't tell her indoors you've seen me, just back to look at the old haunts. He then said Lee and Lambert had a discussion about other people and Lee said his girlfriend was pregnant. Smith said he left Lambert and Lee talking. So Smith and Lambert's accounts simply don't match. The timings are all out and whilst the broad details are the same, the manner in which they are alleged to have occurred keeps changing. So in summary, Lambert has gone from knowing Lee well to only seeing him once. And if only seeing him once, how could he possibly be able to recognise him a year later in the street. He has also gone from talking to Lee in the shed, where Lee told him about his life now and that he was called Les, to Lambert saying that he had heard this, not that he spoke to Lee. And Smith initially said he did not know about this meeting in the shed between him, Lambert and Lee when spoken to in 1999. But in 2005, he does recount a version of Lee coming to the shed and having a detailed conversation with him and Lambert. 
So what is the truth? Because both Smith and Lambert's accounts are all over the place. And one small detail to add. In 2011, after Lambert was jailed for 11 years for multiple child sex offences, he was interviewed by police in prison. During this interview, he denied ever having met Lee, totally contradicting the statements he made in 1999 and 2005 and the accounts he had given to many witnesses. So let's look at five hypotheses. The first two were the focus of the 1988 police inquiry just after Lee vanished. Theory one, that Lee did actually go to Selhurst Park and either en route there or on the way back went missing as a result of foul play. No evidence exists that Lee went to the game at Selhurst Park. This hypothesis is considered to be very unlikely. I don't believe he ever went to the game. Two, that Lee walked home from Sutton High Street and was assaulted and killed en route and his body disposed of nearby. Extensive police searching of the route Lee would have taken home found no evidence existed of an assault, so this was ruled out in 1988. It is of course possible that Lee could have been abducted en route, but given it was during the day and Lee would have fought, I think this is highly unlikely. 3. That Lee actually got home or almost home and was killed there or nearby. This is of course a line of inquiry that needed to be considered at the very start, clearing the ground from under your feet and looking at those closest, family, friends and neighbours. However, all the evidence after investigation proves that Lee never got home and no neighbours or family members were involved in his disappearance. 4. That Lee decided to leave home and set up life away from his family. Lee left £750 in his bank account which remains untouched to this day, and he took no clothes or any other items with him. Furthermore, on the day he vanished, he was dressed in summer clothes with no jacket. So, contrary to the accounts given by Lambert and Smith, and from what Crawley says Lambert told her, this is just not credible or true. Had Lee run away, as Lambert and Smith say, changed his name, become a father, and started working in Morden, the same council area he was missing from, he would have been seen by hundreds of people and come up on the radar. Yet nothing, just Lambert and Smith who saw him. And the final theory which I believe happened, and which is also the theory of the police, that Lee, for some reason, ended up at the shed at St Dunstan's Church and is here where he was killed. Initially, it was only Lambert and Smith that said that Lee used to go to the church, but I've established details from two new witnesses. Let's call them X and Y who confirmed that Lee would go to the church grounds where the shed was based. So, X says, who was a friend of Lee's, that they both used to go to the village hall and library car park next to the church. And Y says that she saw Lee on two occasions in the church grounds, and specifically once inside the shed in 1987, the year before he disappeared. In my continued search to find Bill Lambert, I've asked a lot of people to try and get me an address for him. Then, on Friday evening, I get a very unwelcome text from Steve Lambert, his son. He told me that his dad was rushed into hospital a few days ago with COVID and that he has died as a result. 
This was a major blow. Even if I had got to him, I doubt he would have given me anything or even talked to me. But what it would have done is told him very clearly that the evidence against him is strong and that we are not giving up. And hopefully, to some degree, that would have made him worried that this time round, he might get caught. The stark reality to all my programmes is how far I can go legally with what I say. Very often, I know more, but I can't say it for legal reasons. So therefore, it means that until someone is dead, very often, the truth cannot be told. But sadly, once they are dead, you can't hold them to account or bring them to justice and get the truth. So Lambert has died taking the truth with him. But I do have one person that I can now go back to and put to him his inconsistencies, and that's Rob Smith. I have his number, so let's give him a call and see how he responds. And you said that you knew Lee, you'd seen him in 1993 near to Rains Park Station, and Lee had spoken to you and asked you about Bill. That's well, it was near, yeah, because I was sitting in the car waiting to pick my missus up. Right. Which was correct. Uh, he he waved over at me. I waved back. I said, oh, how's it going? We had a little chat. I said, because I wasn't 100% sure who he was. I knew he was Led, Levy, not Lee. And then, because my brain, at the time, I never took much notice of what was going on down there. I was going down, I used to help build a churchyard. And there was loads of people there. I recognised the face. I recognised having a conversation with him before. And I was like, trying to get the heading gear. And I, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, I'll pass it on us. How's Bill? Yeah, great. I'll pass the messages on, lovely. But how did you recognise him? Well, he called across to me and wait. Right. And I went, oh, and I looked and I thought, oh, I know the face, churchyard. And I, I said, um, Leslie, he said, no, Leslie. I said, oh, Leslie, whatever. Because you want to be called Leslie. Right. Not Les. And I said, oh, Les. He said, no, Leslie. Right. Oh, okay, all right, Leslie. Leslie, yeah, but no, I'll pass a message on the bill. And when I spoke to Bill about it afterwards, he went, oh, yeah, you know who that was. I said, what? He said, that's that Lee Wilson, was it? I said, oh, bloody Irish mate. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Because there was a poster of Lee Boxall up in the shed. Yeah, and he only put it up recently. He didn't put it up very, he was only went up for a little while. It didn't go up very long. No. But did the person that you saw at Rains Park Station, did they match that description? It looked like Lee Boxall, but a bit older. Okay. I couldn't say it was definitely him, but it said he looked like him. A bit older. That's why I thought, oh, it must be him. Okay. So, and then there's another occasion, and this is what Lambert is saying. So, six years forward, March 2005, and Lambert states he did not really know Lee. He'd only come to the shed on one occasion. He'd heard Lee had some difficulties at home with his mother, and he changed his name to Les Hall. And he'd seen him in 1991 in Sutton High Street, about one year after he'd gone missing. And Lambert says that he was with you when he saw him. It wasn't 91. It wasn't 91. It was a bit late than that, because I had gone into... We'd gone into Sutton. We'd had a meal at Poppins. He stepped outside... Right, well, I paid the bill. As I came out, he was talking to someone. As I walked on, the, the, that person walked off, and she said, oh, that was Lee. And is that the same person that you saw by Rains Park Station I, later? I, it looked similar, but I wouldn't say it was definitely him. So it says here, so on the same day, 2005, you're spoken to at your place of work. You say that Lee was a regular visitor to the church grounds and that your uncle, Bill Lambert, knew Lee well. You knew Lee, was calling himself now Les. And that three yeah, years I after... Knew, I don't 
as I've stayed to the police in the past, the first time I ever saw Lee, I didn't take much notice of him because he was too, too late. Yeah. Right? And he'd been down there a few times because everyone's talking about him being down there. 1988. So before Lee goes missing? I probably saw him once, maybe twice. Before he went missing? Before he went missing. So how did you not know with certainty when you saw him outside Rains Park that it was the same person? On the second occasion I saw the chap, right, I then saw a clip on TV about someone going missing and then Bill reminded me, remember seeing him? He used to come down there and I went, was that the fellow with the two lads talking about football? He went, yeah. I said, right. Okay, so, so I've never heard this piece of information before. So you're telling me that prior to Lee going missing in the February, and he went missing in the September, you saw Lee with two other boys. I ever saw the bed, the so you, you saw Lee in the February of 1988, before he went missing in September, with two in other young... Yard, with two young lads, and they were going on about football. But why have I never... I why has this I never been said before? I did tell the police. It's not in the police file. It should have been, because when I sat down and I went, went through it, I explained it to him. So this is a very significant new piece of information that categorically does not sit in the police files and has never been said before. So why is Smith telling me this now? Just so I'm very clear, you saw Lee Boxer in February 1988 with two other young lads and he identified himself... It's all about football. Right, he identified himself as being Lee. You saw the poster after him go was missing in September 1988 and around 1991, he came into the shed and spoke about um, leaving his parents, uh, running away, well, getting... No, he, came, he said he came back to see how everyone was. Right. right. But he didn't want anyone to know. At the time, I was like, yeah, whatever. The problem is, I mean, what this boils down to, Rob, and which is where it's so difficult and where the evidence stacks... Because I don't... I don't I'm down to my own memory. Where the evidence stacks against, against you and Lambert is the fact that there are only two people who have seen Lee Boxall after he goes missing in September 1988. And that is you. Whether or not that was him now, I'm really doubting it. Was I being uh, straight? I don't know. Rob, the crux of this is, and it boils down to this, so let me just tell you what it is. Either Lambert killed Lee and got you to cover for him by saying that that is Lee, or... The two of you concocted a story having perhaps Lambert having killed or even you involved or knowledge, but it has to be one of those two options. Well, it's got fuck, fuck, fuck all to do with me, honestly. I am genuinely don't know what the hell's going on. I'm, okay. I'm desperate to find the truth. Well, that was very interesting. So Smith has just given me significant new information, saying that he saw and spoke to Lee Boxall eight months before he disappeared. He says he told this to the police previously, but no record exists of this, and given just how significant it is, it would have been recorded. Smith maintains he has nothing to do with Lee's disappearance in any way, and he has not been charged. I am, however, left with serious concerns regarding his accounts, especially the new information he has just given me. What is central to this is that only two people claim to have seen Lee Boxall after he disappeared on the 10th of September 1988, that being Lambert and Smith. Smith claims to have seen and spoken to Lee on four separate occasions, once in February 1988, then three more times after his murder. 
Rains Park, Sutton High Street and The Shed. We now know on Smith's new evidence that he knew Lee having spoken to him before he vanished and that he'd seen his missing poster so he could compare who he saw and what Lee looked like and therefore when he claims to have seen him after his murder he would have been able to identify him. So what do I think happened to Lee? Taking into consideration all the evidence, I've reached the following conclusion, which is, off the record, the same view held by the police. That on the day Lee disappeared, he witnessed something and Lambert could not trust him to keep quiet and so he was silenced. Killed, I believe, by Lambert. Having killed Lee, Lambert then burnt and buried the remains in the graveyard and although the police have carried out a thorough search of the graveyard, I believe they've not found Lee's remains because Lambert buried them in an old grave which the police were not allowed to search. Then, having killed Lee, Lambert created the legend of Lee still being alive. As we know, three other people were arrested in relation to Lee's murder and therefore the question now is did Lambert act alone? On Smith's evidence, he would say Lambert introduced Lee to him, which is how he believes the person was Lee. But remember, in the shed where Smith says he saw and spoke to Lee was displayed Lee's missing poster, so he would have known what Lee looked like. Whatever the truth, the various conflicting and contrary accounts from Lambert and Smith are that they both saw and spoke to Lee after September 1988. But this could not have occurred, because when they both claimed to have seen and spoken to Lee, he was already dead. Smith has never been prosecuted and denies any involvement in Lee's disappearance. But what of suspect three? At this stage, I've still not been able to speak to him. He does, however, have some serious questions to answer. So, what do we know about him? Well, he was a close friend of Lambert. In April 1990, he was arrested and interviewed on suspicion of murdering Lee, after telling people that he and some other youths had done over a boy and buried him in a tomb in St Dunstan's church. On police interview, he claimed they were empty boasts. But remember, he was a good friend of Lambert's, wrote him a letter saying as much, and also his account is not too dissimilar to the story Lambert told a few people. And in 1998, anonymous information came into Crime Stoppers, which named Suspect 3 as having something to do with Lee's disappearance. I'm still really keen to speak to him, and perhaps... After seeing this podcast series, he will get in contact. I now need to go and see Peter and Christine and fully update them with the details of my investigation. So I just wanted to give you an update in terms of some new information that we've got in relation to who we've spoken to. You know that there were four people arrested. Three were arrested for murder and one was arrested for conspiracy to pervert the course of justice who was a female. You know that? Yes, we know that. But you don't know who those people are. Two of those people we've spoken to, there is one person called Robert Smith who was one of the males arrested for murder, suspicion of murder. Does that name ring any bells to you? No. No. Okay. And a woman called Trudy Crawley. No. No. Don't recognise that name no, at no. all. So they have now been spoken to. It's the first time they've ever given an interview in relation to oh. 
what Robert Smith has told us about what, three separate occasions where he says he saw Lee Boxall after 1988. Mm -hmm. He says he spoke to him on two separate occasions. What's your thoughts about that? Well, it's very, very strange that the only person to have ever claimed to have seen Lee after he disappeared is one of the suspects. And in relation to Trudy, Trudy says that she was sat in a room. There was a advert on television for Lee in relation to being missing. And the person that she was in the room with said to her, I've helped Lee get a new identity. That I find hard to believe. I found that very hard. Why would you do it? If, if Lee was alive, he would have been seen, and in this area, he would have been seen by lots of people. There are lots and lots of uh, children at school that know Lee, and they would have seen him, not just the suspect alone. There is also a new piece of information that we've got, and this is a relative of one of the suspects, Bill Lambert. His daughter has come to us after many, many years trying to speak to the police but getting little response, and she says that she is aware that on the day or around Lee's disappearance, a fire was had at the shed, and she believes that the person that was helping that fire to keep going was involved in the disposal of Lee's body. How's that wow. make you feel? If, if only we'd known that then, or if the police had known that then, that, that maybe we would have found out what happened to Lee. Just find it separate. Um, I know that's a very distressing thing to hear, but I think it's really important that you are told Thank you, Mark. Yeah, what the work you're doing is absolutely amazing. You've, you're, you're getting closer and closer to the truth. It is a real frustration to me that I've not found Lee's remains and Lambert died before I could confront him. But what I have achieved is that I've found out lots of new information and as a result, given some more answers to Lee's parents. I've also been able to fully reveal all the evidence against the four suspects, naming three of them. I will continue to investigate this case should new information come to light and live with the hope that one day we'll be able to return Lee to his parents. You've just heard the final part of the murder of Lee Boxall. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you please tell your true crime friends to listen and subscribe to our channel. If you have any thoughts or just want to get in touch, then you can do so via our Twitter page at The Detective FM or go to our website www.the-detective.co.uk. Thank you for listening. This episode was written, produced and recorded by Mark Williams-Thomas, edited by Martin Case, the music by Dylan Apega. The Detective is an original true crime podcast brought to you by ACAST.